Welcome to Careers and Mental Health Conversations. This is the podcast where we discuss career counselling, career guidance, mental health awareness and mental health training in the workplace. With your hosts, Patrick, Sally, Tina and Amy. Welcome to Careers and Mental Health Conversations. Today I'm joined uh, by Adele Harris. Adele used to be a full-time professional footy player. He is a long-term jiu-jitsu instructor and he's been very open about uh, suffering from anxiety for a number of years and overcoming that and, and sharing his experience. And one of the ways that Odell has shared his experience is he created a podcast where he spoke to people who also have had uh, mental health uh, or mental illness experiences in their lives. So I really want to enjoy talking to Adele today about his background. Welcome, Adele. Patty, how are you, mate? Really well. Thanks for coming in. That's good. So tell us a little bit about your background and and sort of who you are and, you know, it's quite a diverse background you've got there. So how would you sort of sum yourself up in a a sentence or two? In an elevator pitch? Yeah. Uh, Mate, I am first-generation Australian. Dad's New Zealand or from New Zealand and mum's from England. I wasn't raised by my real dad. He was was like Jake DeMoss. I had a stepfather who was a copper, and I moved around a lot when I was a kid, went to 10 different schools, settled eventually, left home at 15 to play football, um, and then moved to Brisbane to play to keep playing footy, and then become a jiu-jitsu instructor. Right. Uh, and now I've finished that career, that 18-year career, and I'm just sort of talking to you. So... It- being in professional football and all the rigorous physical demands and the competition that that demands on you and uh, and then making that change into you know teaching martial arts was that an easy change for you was that a passion of yours or was that just an opportunity that came about and you thought well I'm going to I'm going to have a look into this well first of all the football right so I was never like a a um you know a Darren Lockyer or anything no so I started as a, as a 15-year-old, I left home start, and I got signed with the club and got in their system there. And then I played probably the highest I got to is Q Cup. I tried with a couple of NRL teams and that's as high as I got really. So when you say professional footballer, it's no Darren Lockyer, okay? No, no, but they do take their um, reserve grade up here pretty seriously. Yeah, yeah, as a, uh, yeah, of course. How did jiu-jitsu come about? Was that something that you'd always had a passion in? Did you train when you were a teenager? Uh, I fought a lot as a kid and I was encouraged to fight a lot and did a bit of training like boxing and things like that from both dads. They used to love me fighting um, and they were, you know, I went to 10 different schools so there was a lot of fisticuffs at different schools but the jiu-jitsu came about, I was getting towards, sort of towards the end of my career. I had a couple of years left that, I did, you know, jiu-jitsu came about sort of towards the end of my career I, the contracts were drying up. I wasn't getting the money um, and I needed to look for a career and I thought I had no backup. You know, I didn't have a trade or anything and uh, I just saw an ad in a paper and I thought, hey, I can probably do that. And I went along and, yeah, rocked up in a Pepe Le Pew tie. <laughs> it was the first sort of job interview that I've been to without my manager and without any help like that. And, uh, yeah, they gave me a trial period to try and train with them um, because I was, I was still hell-bent on playing football. I still had it in my head I was going to play NRL. So I said, oh. That was your goal, right? Yeah, it was still my goal, yeah. Yeah. I said, look, 
I'm actually not going to be available for the next six months because I'm playing footy for a Q Cup side and you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. And <laughs> I said, okay, that's fine. Just train for the next six months in and we'll see how you go. And then, yeah, that's what happened. So 18 years on, I mean, I know you've just recently finished up, but how rewarding was that in, you know, that career for you? Because that's, that's a good, decent amount of time to spend in one place. Uh, obviously, you're teaching young people a lot of the time mixed martial arts or jiu-jitsu martial arts hmm. do, you, do you feel a deep sense of reward or satisfaction from from that career yeah it in certain parts like the best it's a really great feeling when you come off the mat and you've know you you've known you've imparted knowledge to someone you know it opened a lot of doors for me introduced me to a lot of people and i really like the positive impact that i had on especially the young guys young kids you know, that's because I'm a big kid myself. Mm. I'll jump on a skateboard or kick a footy around with anyone or play handball or... Go for a surf. Push one over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fight one or whatever. Yep. Um, yeah. So, when I could see the, the confidence increase in a kid, that was that was really rewarding. And in an adult as well. Like I had, you know, quite a few students come along that had something happen to them. Mm. Bull- bullying, especially with the kids. If you can increase a kid's confidence... And see them, you know, really prosper. That was that was pretty cool. So, what about your own mental health during that time? Because you've got a, a great podcast out there, Against All Odds, which is uh, you you interview or you talk to people with who've had mental illness themselves, mental health issues. You're very open on a few of the episodes about your lived experience. From what I hear and from what I've heard you tell people and tell myself, it was a lot of anxiety attacks. Yeah. Did you experience that throughout the career itself? Was that something that happened in your workplace or was it more uh, outside of work? No, it would, it would happen when I was teaching quite a bit, but this is before I knew what it was. Yeah. So, you know, I was pretty much always in tune with my body and then when things started happening, like, I'd get dizzy. I, I remember the first time I had one when I was teaching. Um, it, I was mid-sentence. And everything just started spinning. And I felt like blood loss. You know, my palms were sweaty, lips were dry, heart was pounding. And I've got a class of, you know, X amount of kids in front of me. And you can't, you can't do anything. So I just put them onto a technique. And then um, I just sort of moved over to the side. And a parent came over to me and he said, Mate, are you all right? Uh, you look really faint. Like you've lost all your color. And for anyone listening, I've got caramel skin. Um, so, yeah, and I was, uh, said, no, nah, I don't think I am. I don't know what's going on, but I don't reckon I am. I said, can you just just hang here for a sec with me? Yeah, it's good that he asked for that help. Man. Yeah, and he just, he just stood by and like after a couple of minutes, I was fine. But I didn't know what it was and that's what really scared me. And fear is a big thing. For me, it comes, you know, um, I, th- I struggle dealing with it. Yeah. So the anxiety attack for you um, from a physical point of view was, was a lot of dizziness. You felt lightheaded. You, did you sort of lose where you were? Did you sort of lose orientation of sort no, of surrounds? Or? No, no. No, I didn't lose orientation or my surrounds or, you know, lose awareness of where I was. Yeah. Always was knew where I was. Uh, so the next day when I was teaching, I was, I was like in a similar situation, different different spot, 
And I thought, oh, man, I hope that never happens again. Mm. But then they continued to every now and then. And it was never patterned or anything like that. Yeah. But I would get them while I was teaching. And I'd go, okay, that's what that is. And I'd just have to make, grip my teeth and go through it. So you identified it was, it was happening. Yeah, but I didn't know what was happening. Right. Yeah. For me, I thought, man, I've got to go get a, my heart checked. So you thought it was a physical ailment as opposed to exactly. a mental. Yeah, man. I did not give it any thought of a mental health thing. Had you ever experienced it before in your younger years, football, social, school life, anything I, like that? No. I don't yeah. remember it. And sort of around about what age, like mid-20s, early 20s, late 20s, 30s, where are we when this is happening? Yeah, I think I'm about 20, mid-20s to, old, to older 20s, yeah. you know what I mean? yeah. yeah. So what next? Right when everything gets on top of you. <laughs> oh, exactly. I mean, you know, mental health issues in young males and, and um, young adult males is, is extremely high. So, I was of the belief that, you know, what I was having, if, you, if, if I stopped, it was, you're soft, man. Harden up. Yep. This, is, this is something you can control. Um, I've always been a big believer of positive thinking and just the warrior code. So... Toughen up, you'll be fine. Push it deep down, man. You'll be right. But then when it kept happening, you know, I thought, well, okay, well, it's something physical. My heart's gone. Dad's got a heart problem, or I'm, I'm sure I heard he had a heart problem. I've got one. And then got all that checked. Okay, I've got a tumor in my brain. So you started feeling worse, right? <laughs> yeah, so all right, it's a brain tumour. Okay, I'm going to go get more, more head scans. It must be from footy, you know, all those head knocks. I had nine concussions one year. That's what it is. So I'll go get that sorted out. That's right. That's quite rational for me to think. I can see how you would think that though because, uh, you know, you're quite a, a fit sort of uh, masculine guy and all of a sudden you're getting these experiences which you hadn't had before and you can only think, well, I've been hit in the head as a lot of rugby footy players have. It must be linked to my concussion, and sometimes it, it is. So you, your first thought was right. I've been hit on the footy field. Go and get that sorted. Uh, and what was what was the outcome of those scans? Yeah, everything came back right. fine. Okay, which was awesome, but I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. So okay. So on to the next. What? Did, yeah. Yeah. So we, we, and I really struggled with that, not knowing was the biggest thing for me. Okay. So you're in the workplace, you're getting this ongoing. Um, did you tell your partner? Did you reach out to any friends and sort of communicate this? Say, look, I've, I don't know what's going on here. And um, well, I would have spoken to my partner, but other than that, no, not for a long. Kept it inside, not like for a, a long while. Yeah, like a true young male would. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as we've been. Yeah, well, it's, it's up to do. Thanks to a friend of mine that I've, I went and got, um, you know, sought professional help for it, other than the tests and things, you know. So he, he, he had been suffering with it and I'd watched him suffer through it. Um, but this was over the course of five or so years. Right, so it played out for a, a yeah. long time. And how often in, would you experience these anxiety attacks over the course of one year, for example? Yeah, I don't know. They sort of became there's – a, there's a point there where they became maybe weekly and then daily would be a – I'd get something, some sort of like a – you know, heart palpitation, I go, oh, no, here it is, and then it'd go away. Yeah, so I was really fearful of them, and I started to try and put myself out of situations when that happened. So, you know, I went and had lunch with some friends in, in the city, myself, my partner, him and his partner, 
I was fine. They turned up. Bang. I'm having one. I don't know what it is. I just get up. I got to go, mate. And he's, man, we just got here. What? I said, and I didn't even talk anymore. I just said, I'm going. Grab my partner and she said, sorry. He's had some, and I got in the car and I was gone. That's it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you didn't know any other way. You just had nah, to get and, out. Yeah, and from, you know, if I had the the uh, ability to, I'd go straight to bed. Okay, so that was a comfort for you. Go and lay down. Rest and hopefully it wears off. So almost sleep, yeah. Think, if sleep. I was asleep, wouldn't work, wouldn't nothing happen. Yeah, I see. Jeez. And then, then they started carrying over like into surfing, and surfing for me is it's my favourite thing. Your passion, in the world. right? I mean, I know you outside of this interview. It's it's your a deep passion of yours. Yeah, I've been doing it since I was eight years old, and it's you know my favourite thing in the world. And there's a couple of times out there where I'd be out there and I'd start to get dizzy, and that's when I was. You know, I did speak to a mate after I just said, "Come on, this is not this is not on. This is this is where I'm most happiest." Huh? Yeah, yeah. Why is it happening here? Yeah. I've got to be you. It's a really interesting point because in your safety place of the ocean, where you said you are happy, people who are not educated or familiar with mental health problems and mental illnesses would think. Well, it can't be a mental health issue because I'm in my happy place. So it's got to be something else. Exactly. Because you just don't know what you don't know. Was that, how, was that sort of some? I mean, that's a simplistic way of saying it, but is that sort of how you felt? Like, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. exactly how I felt. Buddy. Right. And then you, your friend, you were talking about with your friend, he, he, had your friend had a similar um, anxiety or, or stress-related incident and sort of told you, well, I think this is what it could be? Yeah, he'd, he'd been going through some other issues like, you know, some – yeah, he'd been going through some other issues. Um, and, yeah, we just got talking one day. I actually rang him, I think, and he said he, – he asked me to explain the symptoms and I ex- explained them and he said, oh, I think you've got anxiety. First time I brushed it. Right. I said, no, you're kidding yourself, man, you know. Way too hard for that. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't happen to me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, because I didn't even know what anxiety was. Yeah. Or depression or, or bipolar or any of that stuff. And then it happened and I rang him maybe half an hour after. Said, man, this has happened. What's going on? And he said, this is going on. And this is what you got to do. So it's not hard to deal with. But, you know, you need to go get diagnose and you need to talk about it with your doctor go to your gp good advice exactly mm. gp and he said and he and he pretty much walked me through what will happen i'll just give you a test and they'll look out for you and i've got a really great gp and you know he's really 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 receptive and comforting about what i had yeah yeah put me onto the right people and then i ended up having an, uh, an amazing psych yep Unfortunately, he won't practice with civilians anymore, but... Okay. Yeah. But it got you through, your, you know, that time, right? Yeah. Okay. And, and think of it like this, you know, uh, if you strained your leg in the ocean or, you, you know, you hurt your neck, uh, you go to the doctor. Mm. You get... Or you uh, get your massage. Yeah, yeah. You get your OT or whatever it is. Yeah. You get diagnosed, you get the proper care. Uh, mental injuries are no different. No, they're not. Um, so, you, you go to your GP, you get diagnosis... And then the appropriate care is is put in place. So, but sounds- this wasn't spoken about when I was, you know, young or 
because of the stigma around yeah, I guess mental so. illness. Yeah, but we're I'm or also, a lack of knowledge. I'm also probably from a you know your generation mm. where it didn't happen, and the way I was brought up, you just didn't talk about. It. Especially with your mates, you it's, it's hard to ask a what what is this and B tell them oh I think it could be happening to me because. Uh, we just don't. We're just not very good communicators with our male friends about what's happening to us, especially with mental injury. Sometimes with any injury, we try and mask it from the outside world. But Yeah, well, especially coming from my background. Yeah. You don't, you don't show an opponent weakness, man. There you go. Well, you're from a martial arts background and, and a, a football background where you always mask your injuries. You, you're pretty yeah. much trained to do that in unspoken well, words. In, in footy, I don't think there's a player out there that doesn't play injured for yeah. the whole season. You know, it's I've played with broken hands. I've played with, you know, other busted bones and torn things. And yeah, if you don't take the field, you don't get named in the spot and then you lose your spot and then you're not getting whatever. And imagine how hard, I know, I know we're sort of deviating here, but imagine how hard being in a locker room trying to uh, own up to one or two or, or more teammates or coaches that you think, uh, you can't play due to anxiety or depression. Yeah. Now, there's some amazing people coming out now, That's, yeah. mostly retired, talking about how they were during times. I mean, Wayne Schwoss played in a grand final with North Melbourne in the AFL, won that grand final, uh, accepted his medal and had never felt so low in his whole life. Like, yeah. It's a major thing that uh, you know sports people mask from from their – I had a similar thing to that. We won a grand final, and I, but it wasn't the anxiety. It was just I didn't reach the level I wanted to reach. So I was playing in a grand final in a lower league than I wanted to be in. I didn't even go out and celebrate. My girlfriend went out and celebrated for me, you know. So you, you of sort time. of felt that anxiety was crippling you? No, it wasn't anxiety. It, it was wasn't? Just, it was just a massive disappointment in myself. Yeah, I just wasn't satisfied, like, you know. When I reflect on it now, it's a pity. It was a good moment, right? It was a great moment. Good mates and, you yeah. know, it's hard to win a, a professional uh, grand final. That, yeah, that wasn't a professional one. That's why I was so, you know. Do you, do you feel like at that point in your career you could have been a, a level or two up and doing the same thing just as well? Uh, well, that's a hard question, man, because, you know, I'm responsible for not getting there. So... If you're good enough, I would have got there, you know, or if I had made some different decisions, it might have been different. I used to drink sometimes and when you shouldn't be drinking, you know. Not on match day, I hope. <laughs> no, no, but there'd be time, like, yeah, anyway, yeah. So it's the decisions that you make as a young adult, um, you know, that sort of shape your sports career, if that's the profession you're in, you know, do you go out and party and get in with the guys who like a bit of a tipple and stuff like that or do you be that strong, focused athlete who's 100% committed and, and then enjoys all the spoils? I mean, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to do that at a young age sometimes, you know. Mm. Everyone matures at different ages or falls in with different people and yeah. that shapes you at that time. You need strong mentors. You do. Something you recommend then? Mentors? Yeah, for young oh, yeah. young adults and young sports yeah. professionals. I've been really lucky, and I've said this before, in my in my life that I've had people that have recognized some something in me, some talent or and they nurtured it and and you know, brought it out in different things. Um 
Yeah, and even even now, like I've got some a guy who I consider a mentor, but he's now a friend. He's just he's amazing. He's he's encouraging. Um, you know, even when I think there's nothing to encourage me for, he he'll say, you know, just recently. So I've I've done something else. Right in regards to work, and he he's gone, man. I'm really excited for you. Blah blah. blah. I said, yeah, there's no, there's nothing in this yet. He's like, yeah, but you're going to kill it. <laughs> he's got your back. <laughs> and I said, well, how? And he goes, I don't know, but you will, just the way you are. That's good. Everyone needs someone like that, I think, or multiple people like that if they can. And appreciation is is amazing in the workplace as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I want to touch back on recovering from anxiety first before moving on to your podcast because sure. it's a really interesting story. Um, so you went, you got the advice to go and see your GP. Yep. You did see you got a really good GP and a, and a psychiatrist. Was your recovery pretty… Psychologist. Psychologist, sorry. Was your recovery for you… How, how did you find that process in terms of length and was it, was it straightforward? Was it what you expected? Well, I didn't know what to expect. I guess the first thing, and I've said it before, that the first thing is he he made me feel that it wasn't uncommon. You know, lots of people go through this, and many many people recover. Many many people deal with it. Um, that was lots of years ago now, but every so often I'll still get a little touch of it's anxiety, but you know, it'll, a heart palpitation or you know, just just some sort of symptom. When I when I think I've maybe done with it, a little reminder. Yeah, just a little, just a little reminder, like the ocean does to me every now and then. Just okay. reminds me, hey mate, who's boss? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which is a prick because I work so hard to to get rid of it. <laughs> but um, yeah. So the recovery was was fairly straightforward. But I went in there also with a pretty open mind. What you have to do, um, you know. You're telling this guy your deepest, darkest secrets or this girl your deepest, darkest secrets, but the best thing is it's not, there's no judgment there. And if you you recognize that and it's for your own good, so if you hide anything, you know, they might not give you the steps to beat it. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you've got to be open. Honest. Yeah, because yeah. there could be something that's happened to you and they recognize that and go, well, that's, that's you know, all this stems from that. Yeah. And this is this is why you're feeling this, and then that's why you felt that. But if you don't tell them that, you know, that it's just guessing. So be completely transparent, really. Be completely transparent, yeah. Yeah. And that was it worked for me. And but I also, you know, I was an athlete and said, I'm highly coachable. You tell me how to beat this, I'll I'll do it. Yeah, just Tell me what to do, mate, and I'll do it. Do you, to this day, if you get those small triggers, do you remember the tools that you've been taught to mm. help you overcome that and, and does that work for you now? Yeah. I actually just had one on the way here. Did you? Yeah, probably, I don't know, half an hour ago I, was, I had a meeting. Just after the meeting I was sitting there doing some something, um, sending out some messages. Yeah. And then boom, heart palpitations. Do you, do you think you know why? Do you know what triggered it? Oh, I've got a lot of stress at the moment. Okay. I, I live in a pretty stressful environment. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, I would say that's it. I'm also a, a bad one for um, a, a good thing that you can do though, even if you don't go to see someone, yeah. 
start writing down when it happens and start writing down how much sleep you got and start writing down, you know, just journal. Okay, I felt crap today or I felt good. This happened to me today. Um, and, and you'll see a pattern. There's always patterns. And a lot of them for me were sleeping, lack of sleep, when it builds up, lack yeah. of rest because I'm always on the go. I will start to get a bit edgy and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's, a, it's amazing how many people we speak to on this podcast and, and through our line of work that uh, a lot of things start with a lack of sleep. Yeah, and lack so of rest. I wouldn't say always start but maybe snowball after yeah. a lack of, sne- of sleep. The amplifier, right? Yeah, yeah, it's so important. And, and yeah, and that time as well, way back then, I'd finished playing footy and I didn't have the stress release that I used to get. Like, you know, you're bashing people on the field. <laughs> yeah, the adrenaline, <laughs> endorphins are right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you know, you're getting everything out. It's like when, you know, if you're, I don't know, with you, if you're a kid and you're annoying your mum, she sends you out on a run just to expel her. <laughs> just get the energy, energy out. out. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yep. <laughs> um, so, yeah, write everything down. Find your pattern and, you know, record your sleep. And that's really encouraging to hear that years after your last anxiety attack, you're still using the toolkit that the professionals have given you mm. to overcome uh, any any small things that pop up. Yeah. Well, yeah. breathing is the best thing. Okay. Yeah. Do you, like, meditate or anything like that or is it just breathing, sort of controlling the breath? Yeah, if I'm having some sort of ang- anxious feelings, it is breathing that, that gets me through. Because the big thing for me was my heart would go, uh, would start racing. Right. And if you can slow your breath down, your heart rate slows down. And then if you can recognize and acknowledge what just happened, it'll, it'll go away. And then write it down maybe and, have, and then come back to it later and go, oh, I didn't sleep for three days. I was out partying. Yeah, or, yeah, or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. Or, and, oh, I don't have a job like myself at the moment, you know, and I'm looking at my bank account and this is what's, what's going on. Yeah. And I guess without going to see those professionals and getting those tools, things just accumulate. Oh, like man, you, I would, just, well, like I said, I did not even acknowledge yeah. what it was. And it's like they just keep adding up, keep mm. adding up, and then the damn walls are going to break. So exactly, and that comes back to the bucket analogy, which I've spoken on my show and speaking on other shows. Yeah, yeah. So a quick, a quick overview just for our listeners on on the bucket, bucket principle. Just a very quick one. Yeah. Okay, so you have different life buckets: wealth, health, um, family. You know, work, and you fill them up with things. You know, um, and you have a stress bucket. Stress is the things that are happening to you. Everyone's got stress. Especially in Brisbane, the yeah. weather's crap. <laughs> no, you can't get stressed about the weather here. But, you know, you, everyone's got stresses. But you have to put holes in your stress bucket to relieve it. Yeah. And for people, that's exercise. Some people, it's meditation, yoga, football, wrestling and grappling, fighting. Whatever it is to keep that. Whatever. That, yeah. It's when the stress starts getting too much and it, and it overflows then it will manifest into something. And for, for young males, it's generally anger, which it was for me. And how do they then deal with that? Well, sometimes they go and drink or take drugs or do something stupid and then yeah. uh, things amplify. Yeah. 
Uh, good little segue. You mentioned your very quick, briefly your podcast there. So Against All Odds was a podcast you started in 2017. And um, we were just chatting off air before because when you listen to, I think you've got maybe 16 or 17 episodes that you've done, um, you tend to cover some really, really hard-hitting topics. Uh, you talk about people living with bipolar, uh, getting through depression, coming out of a coma, uh, suicide, there's um, surviving cancer, dealing with murder. Like There's some really hard topics. But when you started this podcast, you didn't actually intend to delve into those topics in as much depth, did you? It was sort of not the original intention. No. No. So explain to me sort of why you started the podcast and how things deviated into those hard-hitting topics, which I think are really fascinating and educational, but obviously wasn't your original plan. No. So my, the original plan was I've done a lot of really cool shit in my life and I've met some cool-ass people, right, and some of them become my friends. And they've got some cool ass stories. And I wanted to share them with other people besides myself. And I'd, I was listening to podcasts religiously from way back in the day when it started. And I was listening to heap of their stories going, man, my friends have got way better stories than this. <laughs> I can beat that. <laughs> <laughs> I can do this. Yeah. You know, I can. And my friend was a Paralympian. He was sort of the, the first one I recorded because he wasn't getting as much publicity as I wanted him to. And I thought, man, this, you know, he was the kid of our group. He's got an amazing story. He's gone on to win, uh, gone on to represent Australia four times, captain Australia, win two gold medals, you know, and people didn't know who he was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's serious achievement. Yeah. There and, yeah. And so that's. And I knew all these other cool people as well. Um, so it was about them and bringing their stories to, to life. And then, you know, I think the more you, you talk to people about their success, you see they've overcome adversity as well. And, you know, and then it just became how did you overcome that? What were you dealing with? And, yeah, delved into those topics. So by exploring their stories and the interesting components of what makes them unique, they've felt comfortable really opening up to you about their past or things they've gone through and do you, do you feel like you, you must come across as a very approachable guy then <laughs> like people just wanted to tell you and open up does, does that happen in real life as well uh it actually does yeah it does it does but uh yeah my my partner always <laughs> has a laugh about it because oh look and look i'm way more receptive to it than i used to be so I'd be the one that's standing. This is when I drink. Used to drink. I don't drink anymore. But let's say I'm standing at a bar. I'm the guy that someone comes and talks to and tells their life story to. <laughs> right? There's always one. Yeah, but you know, a while ago I wouldn't care. Well, I wouldn't even listen sometimes. Just I, I'd turn around to people and just go, "I don't fucking care, mate." Dead in the eye, and they keep telling me. <laughs> You're putting up a barrier, and they weren't <laughs> believing it. <laughs> um, but now I'm way more receptive to it. I have empathy. That's something I've really had to work on hard. And yeah, you know, the podcast uh, taught me a lot of lessons, man. I wanted to touch on that. So your experience, I mean, like I said, we covered a few of the hard-hitting topics that you, you got mm. into and the people who wanted to open up. How did, how did that touch you? How did, how did you find this experience? Because you haven't recorded one for a little while. No, I've, I've recorded 
I've recorded four more. I just haven't edited them. Ah, oh, okay. So they're, they're so due for release at some stage. I wanted a body of work of 20. So then this, this sort of happened midway when I was probably, I don't know, 10 in or something. They got really hard to do, Paddy. Yeah. Like some of these people are my friends. Uh, one of my guests died. It's oh, no good. I'm um, sorry to hear that. So, and that was, you know, while it was a beautiful thing to have his voice and his story there for his family and stuff, that was really hard. Yeah, yeah, that would be. Incredibly, yeah. Um, and I don't know about your show, but my show, it's fairly edited, as in there's a lot of, like I try and shorten it, you know what I mean? So if you're listening to an hour show, I've listened to that a lot more than an hour. Of course, yeah, you yeah. go over and yeah, over yeah. and you fine-tune and yeah. yeah, you might listen to it for three hours. Yeah, so that's yeah. why there's only been 17 episodes in two years. Um, there was a, I got to a point where I just did not feel like doing it anymore. Well, I, on my, my other podcast that I run or I used to run, I would over-edit too. I would edit for hours on end, but as soon as I launched it, I never listened to it once it went live because I was sick to death of listening to that podcast episode. What topic was that on? All of them. Okay. Edit them, you know, so much and listen and, and once it was launched, that was it. I was just go, go away. <laughs> yeah, well, I st- but I still wanted a, I wanted a, a nice show. Yeah. Still, so I would listen to it, and I'd, I'd, you know, and you know yourself, you've got a producer's hat, you've got a friend's hat, you've got a business hat if it's for business. Yeah. You know, you've got you're thinking about the future of your show. You're thinking about all the little facets, and you're a one man show. Um, and I really wanted to do the people that I got on Justice. It's about them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's why I don't. You know, I try not to talk over top of them. I try and let them tell their their experience. And did it get to a point where you just sort of felt, I've done some really powerful episodes here, I need a break? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because, you, like I said, you're not dealing with run-of-the-mill topics here. No. But you're touching on the hard stuff. And like I know it wasn't your original intention, but people felt comfortable sharing it with you. And, and so, a lot of the time they're stories that people want to hear. Yeah, well, the feedback was amazing and still is. I still get people asking when's the next one out. Good, good. You know, um, messages every week or so. But, yeah, the, the hard the hard one was, um, yeah, they just got hard. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. they're powerful, raw. Yeah, especially like there's an episode there, not sure if you listened to one with my mum. I haven't listened to the full version, but I do know the story, yes. Yeah, so yeah. That, that was really hard. And it's only – it's a 20-minute episode yeah. because, yeah. And it caught you off guard, right? Yeah. And we're not here to run through everything like that because yeah. I know that's a, that's a big, deep story. But we, I recommend that anyone who wants to listen to that, go to the Against All Odds podcast, iTunes, Spotify, um, all major platforms, and episode number – I think she might have been sixteen. Sixteen. That's um. It's it's a deep story, but it's certainly worth a listen to 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 know what we're talking about here. So, mm. was that the last one you did? No, the last one was with Donna. Yeah. Okay. And so you've got four more. 
and you're going to get around to publishing those. And then what do you think is going to happen with that? Because, I mean, to, to get people reaching out every week is pretty – I think that's really good, mm. people asking for the next episode. Like there's a lot of appreciation for the body of work there. Mm. Well, that's the other thing. I didn't plan when I started it. I was just like, yeah, I can do this. This will be cool. This will be something I can do, you know. Maybe it'll turn into a little business. Maybe it'll turn into whatever. And I really like hearing stories and I really love telling stories, right? But I got to a stage where I went, okay, 20 is going to be my cutoff. I'm going to use that as a body of work. It's touched on mental health stuff, all these different topics. Um, I'm going to then approach some sort of sponsor, let's say Beyond Blue or I don't know, perhaps some, someone with funding and go and find their customers' stories. So let's say a bank. Nobody likes banks, right? Not at the moment. No, not at the moment. <laughs> so they have funding there for social um, – I can't remember what the fund's called, but social um, – uh, responsibility That's or something it. like that. Yeah. yeah, social responsibility. Talk to them. This is my body of work. This is what I've done. Let me go talk to a farmer whose who's, um, farm you haven't foreclosed on. Let me talk to them. Um, let's see why they why they think people should stick by you as a bank. Let me talk to the single mum that you've helped. You know, not the one you've shut down. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, and try and bring some good news stories. Um, yeah, that sort of stuff. Maybe living beyond blue, any any of those groups where I can um, go and find the stories because that's that's something else I enjoy. Like I've travelled interstate, all over the place, interstate on a day's notice to go record my mum to tell a story. Just to, yeah, and it was just to see her. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fantastic. It took me a year and a half to get her on there, you know. Really? Yeah. And you knew that probably strike while the iron's hot here. So. Yeah. Yeah, if she wants to do it now, we'll do it now. Well, the, my mate who died, he, I tried to get him on a while ago. Oh, sorry, previous to his show, and he just rang me one day. He said, "I'll come and do your show." Okay, cool. That's good. I've got some time. Where are you? I'm in hospital. Right, eh? Okay, sit, and I sat with him for hours, and then the next day he rang me back and said, "We need to record some more." So I went in and recorded him. Yeah. What a nice thing to. What a nice experience, I think, for him to enjoy the first one, think oh, that was, you know, obviously I'm in hospital, I'm not in a great way, um, yeah. but I, I enjoyed that so much that I want to come back and share my story. What, what, that must be feel amazing. I think it was more the news he got the next day. Okay. So, so he got some, you know, uh, what, what would you call it, news at a, a time, how much time he got left. Right, Okay. So he'd, he'd spoken about a lot of things and then the next day he'd been given some news and that's what he wanted to record. And, um, you know, and he wanted – he he had a final wish to see a movie that he wanted to see yeah. with Disney and unfortunately that didn't come about. But, you know, he still he got a, he got a cinema, his family got a cinema given to him by Disney, Imperial Guards, his favourite Star Wars movie, you know. It's a small thing, but yeah, it's 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 but, important. Yeah, the, the the I think it's amazing that that his family have got something there to remind him, mm. remind them of that they can listen to any time. Yep, 
and I'll never take it down, you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's that, I think that's really important. You've enabled his story now and then that's really quite precious to the people that, you know, know him, know him the most. Yeah. Um, knowing the best that his story now is out there forever and it's something he wanted to go out. So that's – yeah, I think you should be really proud of that, uh, Adele. I think that's quite um, – it sort of puts a lot of uh, meaning behind podcasting when you think of it like that. You know, a lot of people start them to – create a brand or maybe you know think oh i can get a sponsor or something like that like they're quite business driven but you can do that and you can do that but then you just want to tell stories right and um yeah but i'd still like to turn it into something at some stage which came about later do you know what i mean yeah um but you know we're in the same podcast group mate and you you know yourself you need funding for stuff if you want to keep, you know, this isn't free. Your mics aren't free. That recorder's not free. You got hosting fees, website if you want a website. And, you know, and most of the time you're doing it outside of your your income stuff. But a lot of people do it for the passion of their topic or their their market or their business. And they, 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 a lot of people just do it because they want they like talking to, to people in, in their specific space. Right. Yeah, which is a sort of how you started really because you just wanted to share your friend's stories um but it sort of grew into something much deeper than that didn't it yeah 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 which i think is amazing uh you've got a new podcast out before we finish up today chasing clarity yeah chasing clarity <laughs> yeah now that speaking of passion this really links in with probably your life passion which we've touched on in surfing it's uh ocean imagery it's so uh, i interview uh, it's a conversation with ocean image artists and uh, how they create it. So, but there's a touch of human interest in there. I think everyone likes that. And, you know, some of these people have just opened up and talked <laughs> talked to me about stuff that's going on. Once again. Yeah. Um, you have a theme. <laughs> well, the theme seems to be that, you know, getting in the water, especially the, the ocean photographers. I do surf photography as well as okay. surf. Yep. Um, but, you know, those guys, it's it's therapy for them. Sort of like surfing is for me, you know. Um, sort of like physical releases for, for other people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, there's different variants of that. There's one guy who likes to shoot under the water. Under the water, you don't hear too much except the, the popping of the ocean and you know the rumbling of the waves. Yeah. Yeah. But all these cares and worries just disappear. It's also, you know, it's also about trying to give people that are getting into the the sport, I call it, you know, some useful tips, so droning, you know, about gear and all that sort of stuff. So I really want to find out what's next. So what are you up to? What do you want to be doing? And, and yeah, what's happening next for Adele? I actually took – I resigned from my 18-year career at the end of last year, Christmas. Jiu-Jitsu? Yeah, Jiu-Jitsu. I took my long service and I, I resigned. For two months I haven't worked. Um, I've had some things to sort out at home. But, you know, I've really enjoyed the time I've got to spend with my family and and uh, surf. I've done a lot of surfing. Yeah. A lot of There's some things I haven't been able to do which I wanted to get done, didn't get ticked off. And what's next? I've taken a, a sales a commission-only role for a building products um, company. So I'd like to build that. I'd like to produce some more podcasts perhaps, maybe consult. 
in that space because I think there's if you're going to do a podcast, it's really easy to do a podcast, but it's really hard to do a good one. You know, and this last year was it was a buzzword: six hundred thousand podcasts. You know, two hundred thousand of them aren't even active anymore. And it's it's a real opportunity if anyone's listening. It's a real opportunity for business to have some great marketing. You know, if you've listened to this so far, you've listened to X amount of minutes, and we've been in your earballs. You know, and you're you're hanging on our word. And to get that attention from someone uh, is really difficult. And I think podcasting is a perfect platform. And it's a long game and a lot of people don't think drop out of podcasting at about 10 weeks. It's called pod fade, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just a massive drop off. Seven to 10. Because people go, I've put it in hours, I've got nothing, my listens are low, I'm on to my next thing. thing. Yeah. And uh, it's it's hard to keep going but those that do often get rewards so um and it's you've you've got to keep them interesting and entertaining exactly exactly uh you will develop a little core group of loyal followers and those followers will start telling people and they'll start telling people and it's a little you know not everyone's going to have number one on itunes (laughs) they have to get but uh it's it's quite it's it's a satis it's very satisfying that's sort of what's happening i've got a couple other little interests and things I'd like to pieces of the puzzle to put together when they all fall into place mate it's going to be awesome anyone who's interested in following Adele on Instagram go and search at sensei Odell S-E-N-S-E-I O-D-E-L-L there's some amazing uh, surf pics there I've told Adele this before I think he's got a, a, a career in selling underwater imagery or in the in surf action imagery Obviously, there's the Against All Odds podcast uh, worth a listen. There's some amazing episodes there. Just odds is spelled O-D-Z. O-D-Z, that's correct. And uh, Chasing Clarity is the new one, which is more on the surf photography. Tips, how-tos, um, you know, and he, part, part of human interest. Yeah, yeah. Whoever you're following. But if you do follow me, I'd really like to know if you if you found me from this podcast. So please just DM me. Um and we'll, so we can have a conversation. And and look, I'm always open to telling about my experience. In well, that's that's health. why we're here because the the lived experience of anxiety and how you've experienced it in the workplace and overcome it, and some of the tips you've just given out today are, are extremely beneficial. So thank you for coming in. I think it's uh, well, I'll watch with interest where you where you're going to end up next and what's going to come out next in Jeez, terms mate. of uh, the episodes that you create. And uh, we'll we'll put up all of Adele's links in our podcast show so you can access those really easily thanks adele cheers mate thanks if you enjoyed this podcast and you would like us to appear in your feed please hit the subscribe button and you're also welcome to leave us a review for more information visit careerdevelopmentcenter.com.au